Blog Talk Radio. technical difficulties the last two weeks. Uh, That's one for Blog Talk Radio. But folks, today we have a great show. We have Lachlan Arts from 2020 or Bust. He's the executive director. He's going to talk with us about climate and everything. So before we bring on Lachlan, the next person we're going to bring on is our favorite person in the whole wide world, uh, Mr. Jay Logan. Mr. Logan, how are you today? I am doing great today. Um, uh, you know, I went to see my friendly Dennis yesterday, but so far I'm doing great. Thank you for all the expertise, Gail, you gave me, and I feel much better today listening to all those tips to make you feel better with my with my tooth. So thank you so much, my friend. <laughs> Feeling good. Well, not a problem, not a problem. <laughs> um, you know, <laughs> The dentist is always one of the places we do not like to go, as you know. Um, at least I don't. I can't speak for anyone else. I am not a dental lover. Uh, you know, but we have a really terrific show, Jay. Um, you know, we had some te- technical difficulties, so we really want to get right into the show. So without further ado, I'm going to bring on Lachlan Art um, in a, in a few moments, but before we do that, would you tell the guests before we bring on what our uh, just the news topics today um, will be? 
Oh, yes. I, would, I definitely will um, get those news topics right to you. And um, one of the news topics that we have is um, education. You know, we're, we are a wonderful, wonderful um, supporter of American education. And one of the topics that I saw today, Gail, was the U.S. spends less as other nations invest more in education. So I'm trying to see how that works. Um, the U.S. spends less than other nations invest in education. So over this period of 2010 and 2014, um, education spending on average rose 5% per students across 35 countries. Um, in some countries, it rose as much, at a much higher rate. For example, uh, between 2008 and 2014, education spending rose uh, approximately 76% in Turkey, 36% in Israel, 32% in the United Kingdom, and 27% in Portugal. And for some countries, it's been, difficult, it's been a difficult financial sacrifice as their economic stalled after 2008 financial crisis. Um, and so and, and it just alarms me because, you know, you know I consider us Americans very smart. Um, one big way that our U.S. education system differs from the others is our country is asking teachers to carry a heavier teaching load. Um, for example, U.S. teachers um, teach close to maybe 1,000 hours a year compared to 600 hours a year in Japan and 550 hours in Korea and these other countries. Um, teachers might specialize in one course, such maybe let's just take algebra, and they, mo they might only teach a few periods in these other countries. The rest of their work day is spent on other activities, such as preparing lessons or giving feedback to students. Um, you know, our teachers have less time for professional development, teacher collaborations, uh, lessons preparations, and um, working with students individually here. In other countries, teachers have a lot more time to watch each other's lessons, design lessons, and evaluate lessons. So I would urge that, you know, we as parents, um, we're going to have to make up the difference in our country because right. um, <laughs> that's the only way we can do it, you know. Um, exactly. So what do you think about that, Jill? Well, well, you know what? Before I go on to think about anything, we're going to bring Lachlan Arts on and talk about those teachers later on. How do you feel about that, Jack? I love it. Let's do it. Okay. Lachlan Arts, how are you? It's so good to have you on. <laughs> it's so good to be on, and it's so good that I'm sitting there listening to all that music thinking, hmm, I wonder if I got the wrong number. That you know, So I was just about to hang up and call back in, and I heard your beautiful voice. So it's all timing is perfection. Well, just to let you know, Lachlan, we always start off with music for our the show because Jay and I are, we span across several industries and one of them is the music industry. And what you heard was uh, Jay's new song out called Deja Vu that's been one of the top on the Billboard charts. Oh, beautiful, wonderful, wonderful. Oh, that's great. Wow, congratulations. Jeez. So, um, <clears throat> Jay, I think you remember Jay from the last time you were on. And I do, absolutely. I couldn't forget, absolutely. Yes. Well, Lachlan, good if you to don't have you mind, back. yes, it is. It's good to be and back. And if you don't, <laughs> well, Lachlan, if you don't mind, we're going to go right into the um, right into the show because we had a little technical difficulty at the beginning. And if you wouldn't mind sure. tailoring your questions, I'm sorry, your responses to the questions because we don't want to let out all the goodies, you know, beforehand. Oh. Is that okay with you? Oh. I, I I think I'm following, so yeah, I, I think I can do that. Thank you, yes. <laughs> okay. Well, you know, Lachlan, <laughs> we've known of you for uh, quite a while now, and you've been really working hard around the area of climate. You've been working around yeah. other areas and other industries, but one of the things we know that's very passionate and close to your heart has been the area of climate. And you started yeah. a, an amazing nonprofit called 2020 or bust, and we really want to get mm -hmm. into this because we feel you have information in a way that can be, you know, said in a very normal and everyday way that, you know, the average person can understand. So before we get yep. really into it, we'd like to ask you, you know, can you tell us about 2020 or bust? Don't tell us about the tour because Jay has a question for you on that one. But can oh, you tell okay, us a good. little bit about 
about 2020 or bust and, you know, what it is exactly so that people know about it? Sure. Well, um, you know, I think the one way that, you know, kind of to say what it is is, is, is how it came into existence. And it came into existence to fill a gap that we saw in the world. And the gap was is that the ordinary person really was not getting the straight story on climate change. Um, in fact, in terms of, you know, the normal news outlets that an ordinary person is basically getting no story. And, um, uh, and, and that they don't, and given that they don't have the real straight story on the situation, there's nothing you can really, there's nothing that the ordinary person can really do to impact it because they just don't even know what's going on really. You know, there's kind of the, you know, doom and gloom stuff in the documentaries and the, oh, isn't this terrible? And you see the polar bear on the iceberg, you know, those kind of images, but not know what's actually happening here. How bad is it? How long do we have? You know, when is it actually too late? And what are the actions that need to be taken so that it, it isn't too late? And is there anything me as an ordinary person can actually do? And so the, the stands that started this whole thing was uh, two stands that we took. And one was is that if you're on the planet, regardless of, you know, if you've got a degree, if you're a scientist, you know, anybody on the planet, given that you're here, you have the right to know what the situation actually is. And if you want to do something about impacting it, and when we say impacting it, we mean actually ending it, not mitigating, adapting, progressing, studying, any of that. But if you want to do something as an individual about ending the climate crisis, you should have that opportunity. Now, if you find out what's happening and you say, I don't want to do anything, fine, but at least you know. Because predictably where we're going is that in 30 years, it'll be way too late and people are going to say, how come nobody told us? So that's why we're here. Wow. Okay. Okay. Wow. Hi, Lofner. Um, Hi. Jay here, and I love hey. that you're back on our show. And I have a good Thank question you. for you. Okay. okay. We hear that you're going on. I hope I have a good answer. On. You got a good answer? <laughs> okay. I hope. <laughs> <laughs> we hear that you're going on tour. With yes. 2020 or bus, what yes. are the cities? Well, right. So we've been so a couple of things. So we've been we actually it has started. So we went to Austin, um, we went to San Jose, um, uh, we went to Cincinnati, um, and our next stop is going to be um, uh, some colleges. So we actually did a college in Texas, but we're uh, in October. We're going to be at three different colleges in the Cincinnati area. And then after that, we're going to be in Tucson. That's the beginning of November. Um, we're in the process of booking dates in other cities that aren't yet booked yet. And one which is very exciting, which is going to be our first city outside of North America, which is Barcelona. And uh, um, so that, so, but if you go to the 2020 or bus site, there's actually a, a, a tour page and it will tell you as we as we get these things booked and confirmed, then um, you know we'll have them. But our 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 goal is to have one at least one in each, in every in every state. Okay. Wow. Okay. wow. That yeah. sounds amazing. You know, yeah. uh, Lachlan. You know we you know we're going to get into some meat here. You know, okay. you've talked about people taking ownership of climate. Yes. Okay. Yes. And the direction yes. you talked about mobilizing millions, which is why you started this tour. Exactly. How do, and you talked about people being responsible, each person being oh. responsible, but taking <laughs> frightening, this on, isn't it? Yes. You know, <laughs> yes. Yes. But you see, here's the here's yeah. the question: people are hearing this climate. We can do this, you know, uh, you know, like recycle our garbage or whatever. How sure. can people sure. really take responsibility? for climate. I mean, really take it on a level in their yes. homes other yes. than putting some plastic sure. where plastic belongs and whatever. Give sure. us a real scoop on that. Okay. So that's wonderful. All right. So, so, so the first thing is, is that, and this is not necessarily an easy thing. We wanted to make it simple and actionable and, you know, available to the ordinary person, but part of this is not easy. And the part that's not easy is that for me as an individual, the first thing I've got to do is actually kind of tell one on myself. 
and kind of get straight with myself mm-hmm. about where I have been related to that the power to deal with this actually lives. So, for example, a lot of people walking around think that the power to deal with this lives in the government, and it doesn't. Or they think that the power to deal with this lives at the United Nations, and it doesn't. Or that they think that the power to deal with this lives in science, and it doesn't. And, and you, all you have to do is talk to the people that are actually there working there, and they will tell you that's not where it is. So once I could kind of, you know, be straight about that with myself, that somebody's not going to come along and fix this, that's when I can start to say, okay, well, what if it really was up to me? But if it is up to me, and that's why we got to give people the straight story, see, what most people are giving people in the climate deal is that they'll give them some facts, and then they want to leave them optimistic. They want to leave them with, hey, we're, blah, 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 we're Americans, we can do anything, yada, 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 right? And, and I ask people, why are you doing that? You know, why isn't anybody telling people, for example, that if all the countries keep the commitments in the Paris Accord, we're still far beyond what we need to be. We're going to fry if we keep those commitments. That accord is not designed to end the crisis in time. But nobody's telling people that. And the Lachlan, we seem to have lost you. Lachlan? Uh, Lachlan? Hello? Uh, we seem to have lost you. You don't have a really good, um, we don't have a good connection with you. Hello? Uh, Jay, are you there? <clears throat> yes, I'm here, Gail. <clears throat> we, we seem to have lost Lachlan. Let's see if he'll dial back in. Hello, Lachlan? I think he's going, he's dialing back in. You know, okay. that's um that's really amazing hearing that he's say, stating. So for our audiences that are just coming on with us, one of the things that Lachlan Arts is sharing with us is that the Paris Agreement as we know it, and what the Paris Agreement is, is where several countries have come together to agree that they will do something around the climate crisis, okay? That's historic in itself. But the agreement itself and the fact that they have signed it does not put an end to the climate climate problem as we know it. Uh, Jay, if you wouldn't mind delivering the news, I am actually going to give a call to Mr. Lachlan so we can bring him back on, okay? Okay. And if oh, we do actually, Jay, we have him back on. Okay. Hi, Lachlan, you're back with us. So you see the kind of things you're up against in this. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes. Well, Lachlan, we yes. just explained to our audience that where you left them at, which is that a group of people came together to sign the Paris Accord, but that does not yes. stop climate itself. Yes. So would you uh, yeah, continue it, on from it, there with us? Yeah, so if, if all the nations – first of all, the Paris Agreement doesn't go into effect until 2020. And all of the studies show that by 2020 it's going to be in effect too late to, to turn this thing around in time. So that's where 2020 or bust came in because the White House study, the IPCC study, all the studies that are out there say that 2020 is really that, – that period is the critical year. And that what in actuality, if we can reduce our annual emissions by eight gigatons by 2020, we will have taken us from going off track to ending it in time to putting us on track to ending it in time. It won't end it in time, but it will reverse it to the degree that we have a shot. And every year after 2020 that we don't do that, it becomes more and more impossible to do. So that's why we've got three years, and we are, we are out to organize the world around the next three years is our critical window of opportunity. And if, we get, and if we get 500 million people taking very simple carbon-reducing actions, those 500 million people as a global community can bridge the eight gigaton gap. Wow. Wow. Well, I know Jay has a question for you. Sure. Yes, I do. Um, the experts tell us many things, but what yes. are the experts not telling us? 
Well, the, the experts are not telling us it, the, just the straight story. The experts aren't telling you, for example, and it's, it's very fascinating because I talk to, you know, I'm, I'm nobody. I don't have degrees. I'm not, you're right. So everybody talks to me. You know, I talk to the co-chair of the Paris Conference on the train. You know, I talk to the guy from the State Department on the, on the bus. I mean, this is, I just kind of run into people. I go to these conferences and talk to them at the breaks. And, and all of them will tell you. They'll say, well, you know what? Are you going to print this? I'll say no. They'll say, well, the truth is it's probably already too late. Every mm-hmm. single one of them. And I'm like, why don't you tell people that? And they're like, we don't want to alarm them. And I'm like, you know what? If my house is on fire, I want to know my house is on fire. Now, it's going to be alarming, and I'm going to be upset, but I'll get over it because I'm a big person. And I tell people at these conferences, I used to go to conferences and listen. Now I actually get to speak at some of them, and I tell people, you know, that especially in the climate community and the scientists, you leave people with hope because you don't know who they are. You think they're small. you got to give people the straight facts if they're going to have real power and not just hope. And let people know that we've got, you know, at most a three-year window here. And we still have a three-year window. Like, isn't that great, right? But if you look at what's happening in the earthquakes, I mean, it's like it's really bad, ladies and gentlemen. And it's getting really worse really fast. So if we don't really wake up and start taking real action, you know, it's, it ain't happening. We're extinguishing ourselves. Well, well. Wow. Well, here, here's my and, question to you, um, uh, Lachlan. Yeah. What these little, you know, when you, we hear recycle our plastic and all of that, okay? Sure. Sure. You, yeah. you know, Jay, I, I had I, I had a specific question, Jay, that you and I talked about, but I'm going to rework it. Is that okay with you, Jay? Oh yes, yeah, fine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so the thing is, good for you. The thing is. <laughs> So the thing is, you know, they tell us to recycle our plastics, right? Yeah, but yeah, yeah. What really gets me, and t- tell us to take actions like that. But what really hits me, Lachlan, is you recycle your plastic, right? They're talking about plastic yeah. bottles. Where the hell are they going to put them? Because they d- can't That's even right. find any place to put the hmm. plastic now. So what the hell does it That's matter right. if we're recycling exactly. some things? Please, yeah, if yeah, you could yeah. expound on that. Yes, yes, absolutely. Stop using plastic is really one of the key deals. And and the game is, is, and one of the things that we really want to initiate as part of this is a global boycott on plastic. It's unbelievable. You you, you know, I mean, it's just, you know, there's actually plastic in, in our cells now in our bodies. There's so much plastic in the world. You know, the, the term is we're becoming plasticized and uh, it's just horrific. Right. But the, Thing, also, thing I want to add to that is that we, we came out because we've got to make this thing, you know, the way we talk about it is, look, at we got to get to everybody, 500 million people. This is not for the good people. It's not for the green people. It's not for the Democrats. It's for every. We have to get to the people that watch the Kardashians and play Pokemon, the people that would run from the documentary, <laughs> that, that, that if, you put a, if you put a chart up, they are gone. If, I mean, it's like, you know, forget it, right? So we got to make this fun, exciting, sexy, right? So, um, uh, you know, we got the 2020 or bus T-shirt in 17 magazines. So that was our first foray into that thing, and that was great. But we've got this app now called the 2020 or bus app, which you can download at the Apple Store, you know, Google Play Store, and it actually gets you into playing Rockland, what we call the game. You're telling the, the good. Yeah. You're, you're, you're telling the goodies oh, ahead of sorry, time. Sorry, sorry. Forget it. Forget. It. Okay, good. That was then. Forget that. I never said that. So um, uh, that <laughs> was that. <laughs> <laughs> So, so, Jay, I know you had a question for him. I sure do. And then don't tell any of the good stuff yet. We have to ask you this question. I, 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 um, I should have got, got a note about it specifically what the goodies were. That was my mistake, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> so my question, Lachlan, because I'm yeah. concerned. I'm one of the yeah. concerned ones, me and Gail and you. Totally. Now, where are these catastrophic storms coming from? Well, Look, it's, it, it, you know, again, I'm not a scientist, so I get people to talk to me in a way that I can actually understand it, all right? So the deal is, is that, you know, we have, we have our temperature since the Industrial Revolution has increased one degree Celsius. That's a lot, okay, in, in just a few hundred years. That's a real high increase, a very, very rapid increase if you look historically, 
as the water, as the ocean gets warmer, the storms, there's a direct connection between the warmer the water gets and the severity of the storms. So you can, you can Google that and get you know, the much more specific, you know, all the scientific data and all like that. But the basic answer is, is that as the water gets warmer, the storms pick up much higher speed. They're much more ferocious. They happen, you know, it just, that's how it works. You know, Houston, you know, that, that's the third, the third 500-year flood they've had in five years. And if people actually wow. tell you the truth of a straight story, you know that at the turn of the century, Houston, Miami, and New Orleans will not be here. It's not that they'll be flooded. It's not that they'll be ravaged. They will be gone. Wow. And when it gets real, when it got real for me was when I was going to all these UN, and I still am, but I used to go a lot more, you know, to all these UN conferences. You know, and you'd hear all these blah, 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 one degree, two degree, blah, 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 right? And, and then you'd go, to the, you, you'd go hear people or you'd sit at dinner with people that are in the Pacific Islands, right? And they're like, I don't know what, kind, I don't know what, I don't know what planet these people are on. You know, we go, you go home to your offices. We go home to people that are underwater, have nowhere to live, and no way to grow food. And that's today. Wow. Wow. You know, um, I know we don't have a lot more time, Lachlan, and we'd love to have you actually come back even next week if possible, because I think there's a whole other section we're not getting back to here. But there's another issue. You know, Jay, you're talking about storms. One of the things I want to know, so there was a a large piece of ice in the Arctic that broke off that was said to be almost the size of the state of Connecticut, okay? Yes. And a lot of people don't realize, I know what that means, but I would like them to hear it from you as someone who is actually going around the country and really taking this issue on, okay? Yes. What does that mean when a size of ice breaks off in the Arctic the size of Connecticut? Yes. Well, I mean, in in the short-term answer is, is that it causes an immediate rise in sea level. So... So, for example, just that, that's the immediate answer. And it is an immediate rise. It's not like it takes two years. It takes, you know, for something to catch up, but, you know, you know immediate. You know, the, the last uh, study that James Hansen just came out with, you know, that there's a prediction that the sea levels, just from what's already happened, just from what's already happened, forget about any more carbon emissions, just from what's already happened and the kind of ice um, breakage that's expected from what's already happened, that the sea level rise is expected to be somewhere around 10 meters. I mean, that, we can't handle that. That is unhandleable by our current civilization. Wow. And when you say, for, you know, for people that, to understand 10 meters, I'm not saying people are stupid. Yeah, it's but about 30, it's give about them an example. Wow. Yeah, it, it's, I mean, I could, I could, you know, we've got, I've got slides and things like that because one of the things that makes it real for people, you know, because you talk about, oh, well, yeah, but it's not for now. I mean, you look at, at, at two degrees, just at two degrees, which is, you know, we're halfway to two degrees increase. We're already at one. With the carbon that's already in the atmosphere, we're going to predictably get to 1.3 or 1.4. So we've only got a 0.6 degree window left to play with before we get to two degrees. And anything beyond two degrees, about 25% of lower Manhattan is underwater. So you actually have slides and, you know, Google, you know, they all the, did the studies that you can actually get a slide of your city at what it looks like at two degrees. Now, will that happen tomorrow? No. But it will be at the turn of the century, which, you know, there's, gonna, there's people, kids alive now that are going to you know, be there, or certainly their children's children. Wow. Wow. Well, I know Jay oh, had a Lachlan, question for you. Yep, I, I do, Jay. Um, Lawson, for our audience, could you explain to them what are carbon emissions? Well, yeah, carbon emissions, if you, if you burn fossil fuels, so oil, you know, the, the, what we have come to use in energy, which, again, all came into existence in the Industrial Revolution. 
when you burn a fossil fuel, it emits carbon into the atmosphere. Now, carbon is a natural entity. There are things in the, you know, that, that plants are designed to, you know, take carbon out of the atmosphere. The ocean takes a, you know, a partial, you know, so, so it's a natural occurrence, right? Carbon, like that's not necessarily bad. However, there is a limit in terms of how much carbon we can emit and still be what we call safe. And there's, it's actually a carbon budget. And, you know, right now we have, in 17 years, we will have used up our carbon budget and will have effectively secured a future of unsustainability. Now, our problem is you can't tell people it's a 17-year deal because they say, call me in 16. That's why we had to get it down to something that was manageable and said, okay, well, you know, the deal is to get to zero emissions before we use up the carbon budget. What's going to get us on track to winning that? And that is if we can reduce the emissions by 8 gigatons by 2020, that'll get us on track to getting to zero before we use up the budget. Wow. Wow. Well, this is one one of the last questions that before we ask you to point people to the direction of 2020 or bus, Lachlan. Yeah. Here you are. You know, you you you've admittedly said, "Hey, it's not like I have a college degree in the scientific knowledge no. of climate." Okay. <laughs> but no. We no. want to ask you. We we have two questions because people are probably wondering, how did you get into Seventeen Magazine about this, and why are right. people listening to you? Why would they listen to Lachlan? Since he's not a scientist. Yeah, well, well, how we got into Seventeen Magazine is that we, we is that we were able to get a meeting with the editors, and they um, uh, were running an issue on uh, uh, people that were promoting things that actually, you know, did something um, of you know of kind of public service, public good, and so you know they liked uh, our campaign, they liked our T-shirt, and you know we got in. So you know that was how that happened um they one thing is is that you know that i was smart enough to surround myself with people who are very credible and who do have you know who have been steeped for decades i mean i'm a you know real newbie here for four years i've been in this deal but you know people from the from the un people um you know unep undp uh unicef um, uh, people that, you know, we've got uh, one of the lead authors of the UNEP emissions gap report is on our board, you know, and again, all from just going to these conferences and going to a meeting and hearing somebody talk and seeing them afterwards and say, will you tell me about this? And, you know, and they'll explain it to me. And then we kind of work together and then they say, okay, fine, I'll be on your team. And, you know, we just kind of collected these people that all had the same kind of thinking that I did, which is let's talk about ending this thing and not only talking about ending it, but let's give the ordinary person some, some kind of an access that they can get into this other than, oh, my God, I'll go to a march or I'll click something on the Internet or I'll vote or hopefully that's going to do something, all of which is fundamentally too late and too little. So um, I don't know why people listen to me. I, geez, I'm telling you, it's like I tell people, if somebody had told me 10 years ago this would be your life, I'd say, my God, just take me out in the field and, you know, I don't know what, but this was <laughs> never my was not my dream. I want to tell you. <laughs> well, I think the reason but why I, people like yourself, myself, and Jay, and you can tell me if I'm wrong, are successful in this is yeah. because, you know, we really it's not about passion because passion passion dies, but it's about yeah. the commitment to your word and really taking it on yeah. and showing that yeah. we want to live here. You know, so yeah. um, well, first, Lachlan. We have another guest on. So, We'd and, like to know if you would come yeah, back I, no, next sorry. week. Great. Good. Perfect. No, well, no, please. What is it that you'd like to share? No, the other thing was it's like how could you live with yourself if you know this and you're not doing everything you can to tell people? You just couldn't live with yourself. I mean, I walk around, and I know that, that most of the people that I see, I'm on the train or whatever, I say, you have no idea what is happening today, okay? And you should know that. Got it. Got it. So, And, you know, it's funny that the way in which you said it is so powerful that even if someone doesn't know exactly, you know, what the subject matter is you're talking about, like just that alone, those words, 
being aware, but blocking it out and doing nothing about it when it concerns you and every life force on the planet that is connected to you and and beyond. Um, I have a, so if you could tell the people where they can really connect with you, it would really be great. And, you know, um, you know, your website and all that, and especially about your tour, Lachlan. Right. Okay, so the, everything is on the website, which is 2020orbust.org. So you can go there, and, you know, there's a place there where you can, you know, contact, you, you know, put in your, you know, if you want to contact us about something, that's there. The dates of the tour are there. Also, there's the opportunity to download our 2020 or Bust app, which um, gives people it, it, an amazing thing, which actually you can say, okay, I'm not going to eat meat, or I'm going to pick the actions that I'm going to take, and depending on where you are in the world and the actions you take, you get your own individual budget. Everybody using the app, the budgets are all aggregated so that I can see what's the, what's the impact of my recycling, like you said, Gil. What's the impact of my recycling on the 2020 or, or, or bus game? And you can actually see that. So um, uh, that's all there, though, is on the, on the website, 2020orbus.org. Well, what we want to say is everyone, that Lachlan, myself, Jay, we're all up to mobilizing millions of people around climate. Yes. We've been working with yes. uh, Lachlan as a partner off and on for the last five years, and we are, yes. you know, wholeheartedly supporting him and his venture yes. and moving it out there. We have to get really, you know, pragmatic about this. We have to be positive about this at the same time. All those words don't mean anything unless you're not unless you're taking action, and no action is totally. a wrong action here. So thank you, Lachlan, for being <laughs> exactly. on. And I guess yeah. you'll know that next week we'll have Lachlan on again at 12:30 on Wednesday. Lachlan, uh, we will finalize okay. that with you, but we'd like to have you back on to really get into the Beautiful. meat of this rather than. Thank you so much. Oh, you I are so wait. welcome, and thank you, you for everything wait. you do. It's just it's so wonderful. I'm just we're honored to be your partner. So thank you, thank you, Gail and Jay. Just wonderful. Mm-hmm. All right, and Lachlan, we have a surprise for you next week that we'll be announcing to you for 2020 or bust. Okay. Oh, an electric car. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> get that point. <laughs> All right, well, I'm looking forward to that then. That's exciting. Thank you. All right, well, have a good day, sir. All right, you too. (laughs) Bye. Okay, we're running a little bit behind here, and right now we're going to have – I can't wait for the audience. I love this girl. Just met her. She was at the Social Good Summit, okay? She is no joke. Her name is Madame Gandhi. I mean, I've got nothing but props for her. You guys, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm 100% professional. Jay and I are UN partners, you know, United Nations partners, you know, just like Lachlan, we're initiative with the UN and all that stuff and all that's great. But when you really get down with real people, people like this, oh, I mean, she's a Harvard graduate. Uh, she's a drummer. She's a musician. She's an educator. She's an advocate. She's an activist. She's just off the chain. So we're going to bring her on right now. And I think we're trying to bring her on, and I don't seem to see her on here. Let's see here. Okay. All right. Let's see if we can bring her on here. Madame hey, Gandhi? What's up? What's up? Oh, what's up? <laughs> <laughs> this How is you doing, Madame Gandhi. I know, I know, my girl is in the house. Um, yeah. <laughs> so sweet. Thank you for I'm, that introduction. Oh, I, we are so looking. We're down for this today. You hear what I'm saying? Like this. Me too. Your energy people is don't hear me. Thank you. People don't hear me like this on the radio. But Jay, this is <laughs> Madame Gandhi. This girl is on fire, man. She's oh, she's so you, you've been bragging about her uh, all week, girl. So <laughs> I'm excited. <laughs> <laughs> so, so amazing. You know, Madame Gandhi, we, I, I, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Uh, we, if you don't mind, we're going to get right into this. We ask that you tailor your answers to the questions so that we don't get all the good stuff out too quick. Is that okay with you? I love it. Okay, so we're going to get right into this. You know, you were at the Social Good Summit. My girl is a drummer, a Harvard grad. Like, that. that's just to me. The mixture of that is so bad. It's like it's like 
Swiss beats. You know, he's getting ready to graduate from Harvard and stuff, too. And right. that's just like, what's up for me? You know what I mean? You know, when you can get down with the music and the education and we can talk about what we know and we don't have to hear, well, we need data behind this because our education is just straight up our data and our research. So I'm going to go in right with this question with you. You're in the music industry, Harvard grad, and you hail from India, okay? This is like a youth question, a gender question, and a music question. As a young woman, you know, especially I, I have a lot of background from India. I'm in art of living, and, you know, I've worked in India for a little bit. Um, so my question is, when you told your parents, as Indian parents who want the education thing, that you were going into music, what was it like for you? You know, my parents raised my brother and sister and I to be very focused on giving back. You know, my parents came out from India and set themselves up here in the States so that they can make the biggest impact they could to make the world a better place. And so, you know, through my life, they've seen that I've been so passionate about music and that I've been so passionate about gender equality. So even though, of course, music to an Indian parent um, often doesn't represent, you know, high achieving or sort of traditional success. I think they understood that that was the way that I could most authentic make a difference. And when they saw the impact of the marathon um, that I ran free bleeding to combat the stigma that surrounds women around the world a couple years ago, they saw how that resonated. I think they really got behind me. And it's, it's actually been a time that I've been closest with my parents over the past two years since I've been writing my music. Wow. Wow. Well, I know Jay had a question for you. I sure do. I'm so excited that you're on the show. And um, my question to you is, what instruments do you play as an artist? I grew up playing the drums, and I grew up playing the drums because I felt like it was the easiest instrument. No no joke. I was kind of, like, peaceful as an eight-year-old. I didn't want to deal with learning mm-hmm. scales and, you know, practicing and getting it wrong. And I liked the self-expression of drums. So I've always been a drummer, but over the past couple of years, I've been um, – working on my production side so that, you know, there's no ba- there's no barrier between me and my ability to create. And so that's why I had to improve um, understanding, uh, you know, music tech and production side of things. Why did you decide wow. to play the drums? Um, that's a good question. I liked how um, expressive it was. I liked how radical it was. I liked that it was a gatekeeper in order to allow me to play with so many different types of musicians. I definitely was attracted to the fact that not many women were playing the drums, and, and so I knew that that was special, and, and I wanted to be that that change and that, that person who broke the stereotype. And even though maybe it wasn't so intentional as an eight-year-old, I think intuitively those were my motivations. Wow. So, so you're saying at eight years old, you kind of intuitively had this thing cause about being a woman. You know, you and I had a little oh, bit absolutely. of a conversation. You know, exactly. And, you know, you and I had this conversation a little bit with Jay and my other partner, Alice, and that is, you know, as a woman, okay, and, and see, here's my thing, and, you may, and I w- I'd love to know your thought on this because a lot of people, some people agree with me, some people disagree, some people are like, I don't know. But yesterday at the U.N., I was at a panel with Gloria Steinem, okay? And I was like, it blew me away because Gloria is really straightforward. She just tells it like it is, okay? Yeah. I would have loved to have seen on that panel them having a conversation amongst the cells of so many women from different cultures and ages. As a woman who clearly has defined her, direct, her direction and where she wants to go, meaning Miss Madame Gandhi, Okay, how do you see the way people younger in their 20s and 30s see gender, whether it's a man or woman or whatever, you know, or LGBT community or whatever it is, you know, because people don't want to be gender defined today. Okay, how do you Correct. see how young people see it today versus a Gloria Steinem or someone in their 30s or their 40s or their 20s? What do you see out there, you know, like being a musician but also a Harvard grad too? I think there's still so much work to be done, and I think the present generations of young activists and feminists understand that our job is to be inclusive and to build on the leaders of the past. 
every movement chooses the strategies that are necessary for them. And so pet feminisms of the past have long been criticized for being exclusionary or um, uh, non-trans inclusive or not inclusive of different racial backgrounds. And while it's important to be, um, you know, aware of that and build, it's not productive to be overly critical and exclusive today. So I always listen to leaders like Lagoria Steinem, and I pick up on the lessons and the messages that they have, like this idea that we are linked and not ranked, that we must learn from um, female energy and femininity as something that is desirable and not, um, you know, uh, undesirable. And I think about how my generation is really good at being racially inclusive, at, at breaking gender barriers, at understanding that um, you, we can't take a us first and then you approach and that united we stand. Well, I, I, on that, I, I like that, united we stand. I love it. Especially, you know, just culturally, like, you know, like I said, we can't wait to get into like two or three other questions with you. I know Jay has another question. I'm trying to be Go good ahead. here. I just wanted to know, like, a little bit more about your artistry as an artist. Um, could you tell us a little bit about the music that you create? Absolutely. My music is very, like, femme positive and sex positive. You know, I, I want to make bright, beautiful sounds that are joyful and hopeful. I think sometimes um, when we are upset about a, a situation in the world, such as gender inequality, it can make us angry, and that the music has anger and sorrow in it. But I think in my music, I try my best to have at least both sides of the spectrum, one side being very joyful and positive and celebratory of all that women uh, bring to the table. And then the other side that is a little bit more sad, a little bit more morose, a little bit more critical and thoughtful and cerebral about the state of, um, of gender today. So that's how I would describe my music. Um, I sample my voice a lot and use it in different ways so as to sort of musically and, and symbolically represent the three-dimensional nature of women and al also to combat a lot of the ways we're represented in two-dimensional, you know, just for our beauty and for our breasts and for our looks in music videos or in, um, you know, our art by men, basically. And so I'm here to provide an alternative and say, actually, we are three-dimensional goddess love beings of all shapes and sizes, and, and we need to represent ourselves a little bit more accurately in the media so that young people have role models and heroes to look up to. Okay. Wow. Well, you know, let me ask you something. In the music industry, okay, being at Harvard, okay, um, talking about the things that you have spoken about, you spoke about something about being a woman, running the marathon, and about your period, okay? So a lot mm -hmm. of people may not know what this was about, but, Jay, this is a really interesting thing that she did. Would you share with our audience, what you did during that marathon and what happened to Absolutely. you. Absolutely. It was my second year of business school, and I was training for the London Marathon out in Boston. Then I went over to London, and I remember being at the start line and realizing it was going to be day one of my cycle. And for anyone who doesn't have a period, let me tell you what you're not trying to do on day one of your period is to run 26 miles. And so I knew it would be radical um, to bleed freely and I knew that it was a privilege, but I wanted to do it as a symbolic act to combat so much of the menstrual shame and stigma that faces women all around the world. And for anyone listening who's not familiar, you know, in parts of India where I grew up or in Nepal or in, in all over the continent of Africa, time and time again, we hear that young girls are dropping out of school because they lack access to the products they need. And because the stigma surrounding menstruation runs so deep, no one feels safe and comfortable to even ask for the products they need. So if we want to talk about gender equality, and I'm going to be at the United Nations speaking tomorrow, if we want to talk about SDG 5, which is the Sustainable Development Goal 5, gender equality. We have to talk about menstruation as something that is normal and part of the human reproductive cycle. It's not something to be stigmatized. It's not something to be ashamed of or grossed out by. And we have to keep combating all of those taboos that surround this if we want women to be able to go to school and reach their fullest potential. So I ran the London Marathon free bleeding. I, I, it was very visible. It was a blog post that went viral back in 2015. And it's informed both my activism as well as my music uh, since then. Wow. Hmm. Wow. Well, Jay, I know you have a so, question for her. I, I, I sure do, Gil. What What's it like for gender equality in the music industry? Um, I mean, obviously there's so much. I think music only represents where we are as a 
culture. And so that's a blessing and a curse. The blessing is that then I, as a creator, can create in my music the world I wish we live in. I can put only women and female-identifying people on my stage. I can show uh, women in multidimensional forms. I can show what our sexuality looks like when we are in control of it, not when we're used uh, in an objective way. So that's sort of where the positive can happen. The negative, though, is that so much of the, the music industry is controlled by men and Men have typically over-sexualized women and only valued us for our looks as opposed to our skill set, our content, our, our thoughts, our brain, our, our, our contributions to the world. And so when that happens, the young people grow up and they see themselves represented in the music industry, but they only see themselves represented um, as valued for their sex and sexuality and their beauty. And, and that's hugely problematic because that's not a choice. That's then us teaching and socializing young girls to put a disproportionate amount of their day and their effort into looking beautiful and exaggerating um, their beauty standards. And the reason why that's a problem is that then if you're telling the boys we value you for your skill sets, but you're telling the girls we value you for your beauty, now every single day those the girls are putting time into makeup, into hair, into losing weight, into reading blogs, into working out in a way that's detrimental to their self-esteem. And it's taking away time they could be producing music, learning how to use Ableton, um, being the best CEO they could be, pursuing science, mathematics, whatever it is that we are seeing the boys able to lead on time and time again. And so the music industry has the potential to really corrupt and hurt young women and how we understand our genders, but it also has the potential to provide an alternative, and that's where I step in. Wow. You know, okay, Jay, I have to, I have to ask uh, uh, Madame Gandhi this. You know, I've been in the music industry for a long time as a woman as well, you know, and one of the things that, you know, growing up with my mother and having me in the music industry, you know, like all mothers and fathers concerned about, acad- you know, academia, you know, why do you want to go to why do you want to go into that industry? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, but she understood. I really also, Madame Gandhi, had a mother and father similar to you. Just go for what you want, okay? The question I, I think have it's, you know, for you come, is, yeah, go ahead. the question I have for you, I'm sorry, is a lot of women come into this industry still looking, and this is where <clears throat> I really want you to go into this like you did as so it's good. You know, they must be beautiful. <clears throat> Excuse me. Sorry, they must be beautiful. They must be gorgeous. They must have on the makeup, the nice legs. They must look good. And unfortunately, the men advocate to that. That's what they want. That's what they want to put out there so that if you are a woman, you know, you're still good looking. You still, you know, but you may be chunkier in certain places or whatever. They, we look at these women, and I'm sitting here saying to myself, whether you're a woman, man, you know, the LGBT community or whatever. I even hate saying LGBT. Anyone you are, whoever you are, you should be able to be who yes. you are, where you are, and share your talent with the world, regardless of, you know, if you might have some love handles. Well, those love handles are love handles. They're on you and love you for who you are. You spoke about this and being in the industry yourself. Would you, would you speak more so, to that? Absolutely. I think there's a couple of things. I think part of the reason why I wanted to spend time 